The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. that music you know the show you listen to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network I'm in Phoenix living like it matters today is July 3rd I believe if I'm correct and of course tomorrow is the big holiday which everybody's looking forward to but me I'm just you know I'm looking forward to getting my eat on probably gonna eat too much I'm, t- I'm overweight anyway you know so it's don't make no difference anymore you know I can weigh whatever I want I'm just gonna try to stay healthy a little bit though I ain't going to need too much, but, uh, man, I'm sad, man. No football, you know, no NBA basketball, you know, baseball doing the best they can to make it work. But, you know, it just it's not the same. You know, uh, baseball is supposed to be America's pastime, I believe it is. But that's what it does. It just passes time. Don't give me the same feeling we get when we got some football going on. But if you're ready for some football, I got some football today. I got a good a great guest in the studio with me. We we talking, you know, young men make it happen. It's like anything, any business you got, if you're not cultivating your young talent, you're gonna go out of business. And if it ain't getting better, somebody gonna look for another product. And let me tell you, it's getting better. It continues to get better and better. You know, sometimes when people talk about, you know, athletes you know, a lot of times, you know, you go to the Pop Warner games and, you know, you got people that's taking their kids from Pop Warner to pros. Right off, right off, right off the field, Pop Warner straight to pros. But i tell you one thing about it. You know, those of us who have played the game, sometimes, you know, what you are able to do is, you know how they say, game knows game? Well, talent knows talent. And sometimes you see potential at a very young age and you know if that individual is able to keep their head right and God bless them and they stay healthy you know that they can that blueprint is there they can follow that blueprint and they get their chances so I watched this young man play a pop water football you know watched him play in high school and now I'm gonna have the chance to to watch him play at the collegiate level you know as a matter of fact he did a red shirt last year but we're gonna talk about that but first I want to introduce into the studios with me now Kelvin Fisher Jr. Fish, how you doing, man? Doing good, right? You know, here's what I want to do. You know, I remember when I was a senior in high school, man, I was at a football game. It was an all-star game, right? And and Coach yeah. Hayes was at the all-star game. And, and and everybody told me that Coach Hayes was looking for me. Now, keep in mind, he didn't get up out his seat. So that, that meant if he, when he was looking for me, he expected me to come to him. Yeah. And so it wasn't about him. The word was out he was looking for me. And he, I'm, I'm sure the only thing he told those people was, well, let him know I'm here. Yeah. You know, I got up and I walked over there. What he did something to me, man, I'm going to do to you, man. Stand up for a second. I just want to say what he did to me, man. 
Yeah, he got the six pack working. <laughs> That's what Woody wanted to check, man, to see if he got the six pack working. But you look good, man. Like, you look Appreciate like you picked up a couple pounds since high school, right, Fish? Yeah, I mean, I checked in. I reported to college about 178, 180, and, you know, I'm weighing about 194 last time I weighed in. So, you know, I got a little bit of weight on. Looks good, man. Looks good, man. Now, now here's the thing about it going into college, going to the University of Arkansas, uh, I mean, you were a talented athlete, and I mean talented. But in particular, you know, I saw some moves from you on the offensive side of the ball, man, that remind me of some of the greatest people that ever toted that ball. You playing a little bit on the offense last year. I think you played yeah. a little bit on the offensive side. But now the concentration is on defense and uh, playing in the secondary. How do you like that adjustment? You played them both. Yeah. But how do you, one over the other, does it make a difference to you? Are you feeling good about this DB thing? I mean, I'm definitely liking corner. You know, like you said, I played both in high school. And uh, when I reported last year, I was officially a corner. And then, you know, we had a couple injuries on the offensive end. So they moved me to running back. And, you know, I got to basically be a running back all fall. And, you know, when the spring came around, they moved me back to corner. And I just, you know, did what I was supposed to do and got better. You know, so I definitely say I would like to be a corner the rest of my college career. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you what, one thing about corner, you know, when you look at all the different positions on the field, you can't hide a corner. you out there yeah. all by yourself. Everybody in the world gets a chance to see it. And, and it's really just like running back. You know, you can't hide a running back. Once you give him the ball, if the ball ends up on the ground or anything good happens, you know who made it happen, yeah. you know. So there's some similarities in terms of, the challenges of the position and to be able to step up and know that everybody in the stadium can can see uh, what you're doing. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that corner position in college. Yeah. Uh, when you think about some of the high school receivers that you guarded, and then you think about some of the college receivers that you've been up against in practice and in the various times, you know, you know, games. And I know you redshirted last year, but just talk about the talent. What's the difference in the high school talent and the Division One talent in college football? Um, I mean, the main thing for me, the difference is, I mean, in high school, you, you really truly didn't do a lot of man-to-man coverage. So, I mean, you, you kind of can rely on your safeties a little bit more to help you out and, you know, your cover three or cover four. As for in college, you know, you got to do that man-to-man um, 50% of the time. So, I mean, you truly get to see the difference in the talent level, you know, from receivers being able to cover that slant from a man-to-man position versus having to cover a slant you know, or, or a, a fade in the cover three position. And, you know, it's just there's a huge gap in between the high school receiver level and the, you know, college level. I mean, granted, you you know, I went against a couple of uh, receivers that were also being recruited, so, you know, they had some skills, you know, as well. But, you know, it's it's definitely a different feel. Do, do you feel like they said in college football, you know, as some of the greatest athletes at that age, do you feel as if those are the kind of people you're competing with? There's no doubt when you line up that this is some of the best talent in America. Yes, I mean, definitely, you know, where I'm going, you know, at University of Arkansas, you know, you just, it's just straight pure talent on both sides of the ball. I mean, you know, in, in high school, he's, you know, you may have one person more athletic than the other, but, in, you know, in college, everyone's an athlete. Yeah, that's one thing about it in college, and, and that's the point. I'm glad you made that, you know, you can have, you know, in college, Everybody comes out and lines up against you. There's a chance yeah. that your, you know, their talent matches theirs. In high school, it's obvious that there's one or two people that are on that field that yeah. their talent is above everybody else's. Cool. But in college, every time you line up, 
you're going against an athlete and you know you have to also remember at the end of the day they got recruited just like you did so i mean they have talent just like you do so you know in a way you got to mentally step your game up you know you can't just try to use your talent to beat everyone you got to mentally defeat the person that's a, you know across from you you know that that segues me into a, a great point that I, I in fact i wanted to to talk to you about that uh, coming into uh, a program like arkansas you know leaving a high school program going into a program like that where it's obvious you're the man on campus in high school fish. No yeah. doubt about it. You're the man. <laughs> you you now go into an environment where there are men. Yep. So not only is it the man, there's the men, where all of them have been the man on their college campus and, and on their high school campuses. And now you have to go into an environment where not yet. You, you haven't become the man because there is an All-American there who, you know, your pop might be looking at the draft. You know, there, there is superstars, you know, at the Division One level, you know, that may be flying to New York, you yeah. know, in, in April. What's the psychological challenge of that? How do you make that adjustment to go in? And what are some of the things that you wanted to do to get noticed when you got there. So first, you know, how do you make that adjustment to I'm not the man? And then what are some of the challenges or some of the things you made up in your mind you were going to do to try to get noticed? Um, I think the biggest thing, you know, as a recruit or, you know, coming out of high school is, you know, you can't have an ego going into your situation. I mean, you got to realize that, you know, yeah, you were the top dog in high school and, you know, possibly the top dog in the nation. But you got to go to college with the mindset of, look, I got to prove myself all over again. I did it for four years at my high school, now I got to do it for, you know, four, three, five years in college. So, I mean, if you go with that mindset as if, you know, you are basically at the bottom of the totem pole and you got to work your way up, I think you'd be fine. You know, there's there's some cases where, you know, recruits or, you know, coming out of high school, they kind of have a big head and they feel like they should just be given everything that they want. And at the end of the day, that's when the people, those players don't end up having the success. I mean, if you go in there and you just you want to work, that's basically how you have to have the attitude. You just want to work to do everything you're supposed to do. Is it is it the work that gets you noticed by the coaches? You come in and how do you what do you have in your mind? How have you programmed yourself to say when they sit in that meeting tonight, I want them to talk about me? Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing, I mean, when you get there, they already know what your talent is. I mean, they they recruited you, so they obviously know what you can do on and on the field. Uh, the biggest thing they're looking for is how mentally tough you are and if you're going to work. I mean, are you going to go out to practice and when it you know, gets hard in that heat, are you going to just crumble and you know give up or are you going to keep working hard, especially in the weight room? They want to see if you're building on top of your you know, your reps and everything. They want to know if your weight's going up, if you keep beating your maxes, or if you kind of plateau and you don't, you know, you don't strive anymore. They want to see that versus, you know, your your ability. Now, at the end of the day, they want to see you play well as what you know, but for the main part, they want to see where your mindset is. So, it, so you're saying that there's a, a lot of mental toughness to making an adjustment of college football. Yeah. And uh, do you think that the great majority of of let's say your class did they, did they all handle it well, or did a couple of them have a few problems adjusting to the fact that they weren't the man anymore? I would think for the most part our class handled it very well. I mean, I think we had a really mature class. I mean, we came together as a class before we even started working out. We used to hang out in the dorm rooms together, and, you know, we, we all basically decided, hey, this is what we want to do, and we want to show everyone here that, you know, we're the top recruiting class in the nation. Granted, if the ratings didn't say we were or not, but that was our main goal. You know, we came together and we were like, we want to show the world. We want to shock the world. 
and uh, I think for the most part we all and continually we still do that you know we work very hard in the weight room on the field and you know in the film room and in the classroom again I, you know sometimes they say game knows games and I, and I will tell you game knows game I will tell you that that in my class when we came in that we took that same kind of pride as a class yeah that we wanted to come in we wanted to work harder we wanted to you know, more than ever in history, we wanted more of us to pass the conditioning test, whatever the strength tests were, whatever they were. We want to have more of us be lettermen, all that kind of thing, and to take pride in your class. That That's certainly a, a, a part of that blueprint to success. Let me ask you another question in terms of uh, the whole red shirt uh, decision that you that you went through and, and a part of that. Uh, did you, you know, coming in, did you know that? Are there people that would go into a situation where they do or they do not know that? Because what we want to do is we want to help some other people who are listening to this show who may have the same situation going to a Division One school. Were you aware that you were going to a red shirt or was it something when you got there you decided, hey, man, maybe I should do this red shirt uh, because there's some other opportunities that might present to me when I'm, once I'm there? You know, for I can't really speak for all the colleges out there, but I know for, for my football team, you know, we went out and we didn't know. I mean, basically our head coach at the time just told us, listen, you know, you got to perform at fall camp. And then from there we'll assess the situation and we'll see where we want you and, you know, how, if we want to play or not. So I think that was a great opportunity for everyone in our class, you know, to go out there and, and basically prove yourself. I mean, it really it was all up to you. I mean, granted, there's some situations where, you know, the receiver lineup might be so di- deep, but, you know, for the mo- mas- most part, we had to, you know, go out there and just, you know, work our butts off. One thing I like about the redshirt year myself, personally, is the fact that, to me, it's almost like in the pros, you get another chance to be a rookie. See, you, you get another year to be a freshman football player. We're not, we haven't got to the academic yet, but you get another year to be a freshman football player, which means you get, you get four years. But coming into next year, you're not really a freshman. Yeah. You've had a season to get into that playbook, and that playbook is something I want to talk to you about because – in high school, you may have a couple sheets of paper. A couple, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but was that a surprise to you? I know you've probably seen so you're unique. You got a unique story, but you've probably seen some playbooks. But to actually get on the college campus and have your own with your name, your number on it, how was that to actually have a college playbook? That's a lot different than what you were accustomed to having of your own before. Yeah, it's a lot different. I mean, you really can't describe it. I mean, it was hard for people to even describe it to me, but. I mean, the one thing I will say that's different from a high school playbook to a collegiate playbook is that in high school, you just have one name for a play. So it may just be Blast Right. And and everyone knows that that's a run to the right. You know what I'm saying? But in college, you have to put everyone's assignment in that single play. So you have the first, you have the alignment, then you have the line assignment, then you got the running back assignment, then you got the receiver's assignment. That's just the offensive side of the ball. I mean, so, the you know, it was just, it was really complicated, but... As you got to figure it out, um, what a coach once told me was learn your assignment first. Learn what you're supposed to do on each play. And then you can learn what everyone else is supposed to do. And then from there, you can learn what the defense is going to do to adjust to what you're doing. And I and um, I just took that approach, and it made that process so much easier for me to where get to the point now to where if I'm not in and I hear the play, you know, and I hear a receiver ask what he's supposed to do, if there's no receivers there to help him, I can just, you know, say, hey, you got this route, you know what I'm saying, to the to the young freshman. So, I mean, 
for me, the process was um, a little different, but it definitely was a, a, sh- a shock to me, the difference in the playbook. For all those people out there, I don't know. I don't even know where the term started at. Uh, if I could find out the emphasis of the term, I would love to just kill that person who ever came up with the term dumb jock, you know, <laughs> you know? because there's nothing dumb about student athletes at any university. Just just try to do it. I mean, he doesn't have a, he's got another job. But he's got a job that's another class. <laughs> so think about it that way. I think I hear a little bit of music. So I'm going to go ahead and take a break. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living in like it matters, of course. And I got with me Kelvin Fisher, Jr., DB at the University of Arkansas. Yeah, I said it. Not the Ohio State University. I tried, y'all. I tried. I just didn't make it work. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, to hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Calvin Fisher, Jr., defensive back with the University of Arkansas, has joined me here in the studio. And, uh, Fisher, man, listen, you know, there were some changes that was made at the university. Yep, uh, it's yep. a situation where, you know, people just don't realize sometimes coaches is just like players. Hey, when the situation happens, you're aware of the fact that, man, it's another play or another game, and we just got to keep moving. Uh, new coaches in town. Uh, how did that affect spring ball, if it did at all? Were you guys ready to go and looking forward to the season? I would say it probably expect, uh, affected spring ball for maybe all of five minutes. Oh, and that's something. There you go. You know, I that's mean, the way we, it should we, be. We heard the news. We assessed it. We figured out what we needed to do, and we moved forward. I mean, he did what he, he wanted to do, and, you know, it ended up, you know, not for the best. But at the end of the day, we ended up with a new coach, and, you know, we're enjoying it. And 
we went through spring ball like it was nothing happening, you know. And you still got to line up and play. That's the bottom line. Yeah. You yeah. still got to play. The fans going to come and expect to see you guys win. And, and speaking of winning now, you know, how was that as a young freshman to come in and go to a bowl game at your, your freshman year? I mean, I'm, I'm sure one of the reasons why you chose the university as well as getting an education, you knew there was a chance for you guys to possibly be national championship contenders and certainly in the role, uh, you know, in position to go to a bowl. But talk to us about that experience of going to a bowl as a freshman. It was probably one of the greatest experiences of my life. I mean, I think, you know, I was blessed that, you know, I was redshirting, so I truly got to just enjoy everything that the bowl game had to offer. You know, you got some of the players, you know, when you're playing, yeah, you can enjoy it, but at the end of the day, you still got the game on your mind. You still got, okay, I got to go watch some more film, or I got to do this, I got to do that. So I think as a redshirt freshman, I was able to just enjoy the festivities, enjoy everything that, you know, the Cotton Bowl was able to do for us. And, you know, they did a great job and had us in probably the best resort and, you know, had everything that, you know, a kid could ask for. At and that I'm level. sorry, who did you guys play in that bowl game? We played in uh, Kansas State. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, man, I'm going to tell you one thing about that. I, I, I would just say this, the, the bowl experience, and you described it right, there's no greater feeling yeah. in the world than playing in a bowl game, man. And a, and a lot of people never get that experience. You've already had it uh, as a freshman uh, does it make you hungry to want to go back now and, and, and make sure that you guys maybe go to maybe another bowl to put you in contention for the national championship? Definitely, definitely. I mean, the ultimate goal is national championship, so that's what we're striving for. You know, that's what we strived for last year, and we ended up having to go to the Cotton Bowl, and, you know, it still ended up being a great experience. So for us, I mean, we're definitely hungry, if not hungrier than ever, because we've experienced, you know, close to the best. Now we want to experience the best. Now, have, they got, have they gotten a chance yet, uh, again, trying to stay away from controversy, but have they gotten a chance yet to, to talk to you guys about the, the new situation in terms of, you know, the playoff and perhaps maybe an extra game or however uh, the bowl series is going to work out in terms of, you know, to that national championship game. Have they got a chance to sit down and talk to you guys about that yet? Not that I know of. The, um, for what I'm seeing, I'm just, you know, watching TV and seeing whatever the update is. I mean, for the most part, we're still going to, you know, go at it like it's normal and just play one game at a time and just focus on the opponent. So uh, let me ask you, in terms of uh, getting ready for next season, what's the schedule like? When, when do you guys have to be back, and when do you anticipate having to put those pads back on? Um, our training camp starts August 3rd, and then from that point on, it's game time. I mean, we go to work, and, you know, we'll, we'll be in class for a little bit, and then we'll probably have the majority of camp outside of class, and, you know, we'll just be working hard. Okay, let's, let's talk about, uh, let's get down to the nitty-gritty of it now, the depth chart. How, how are things looking at? Uh, for you now, and, and how do you perceive things to be when season starts, Fish? I mean, the ultimate goal is to start. That's every kid's goal. Um, right now they got me at the second team working with the first team, and, you know, that that's a great opportunity for me because, you know, I'm not quite there yet, so I'm still striving. And even if I do get there, I'm going to, you know, keep striving to, to stay there. And, uh, I mean, right now it's all up to me. You know, that's what the coaches basically say is we, di- we dictate our playing time. You know, if you slack one day at practice, you may not start that week. But if you go hard, you know, you're thirsting, you go hard at practice, you may get a lot more reps than you normally do. So, I mean, it's all up to us. And your competition, you feel right now, the person you compete with right now, uh, same class as yours or younger or older? He's older, older than me. Okay. So. so that so that gives you a couple years, even if there was a competition and you didn't win that competition, it still gives you uh, more years on the field because you're a younger player. Yeah, yeah. But, again, a young, hungry player who wants to be on the field, on the field of course. Uh, right away. Okay, so l- l- let's look at this. Okay, you got August, you're going to go in. 
you've got a, a couple uh, days, if you will, maybe a couple weeks to enjoy yourself in the summertime. Um, any plans for the summer? Are you just going to relax? You, you did a little summer school? Did, did you do any summer school at all? Yeah, I mean, I definitely just, I just got done with my first summer session. So, uh, I mean, right now I'm back home just relaxing with the family, you know, hanging with my little sister before she goes off to college. I think we're going to go on a family vacation soon. So, I mean, after that, you know, it's right back to work, second session of summer school and right into camp. So, I mean, really this is my, my true only break of the summer. So I'm just enjoying it and relaxing. So it, it really is year-round. There, there's really, yeah. you know, a little bit of time off, but this is something that you have to do. Uh, you, you have to be working out. Uh, you have to be ready, uh, in shape at, at all times, both both mentally and physically. And those who who approach it like that probably will help your team as opposed to those who take those two weeks off and do absolutely nothing. Yeah, I mean, we have a saying on our team we call boosting it. And basically boosting it means is, at all times, you're going hard, you know, n- n- no no slack and nothing. I mean, so for us, it's year-round. We get paid probably maybe two or three breaks, maybe at like six or seven days. So, I mean, we're boosting it all the time. We're working hard, and, you know, it's, it's year-round from spring ball to mat drills to, to camp. I mean, there's no days off. I got a young kid out there now listening to the show, uh, you know, who one day hopes to be a, a NC2A Division One football player. What is what are some of the things you would say to him in terms of the biggest adjustments and, and surprises once you stepped on on the campus? What, what was the biggest surprise to you, if there were some? You know, perhaps maybe you prepared for it, uh, and and I think that's what happens. Sometimes kids aren't prepared for. It, um, but what was some of the biggest surprises for you once you were there on the college campus? I would say the biggest surprise was just how much truly like freedom you have and not necessarily free time, but freedom. I mean, you got to realize when you go to college, your parents aren't with you and they're not there to hold your hand and, you know, walk you through it. And, uh, you know, like they say, they, they show you the door, but you truly got to walk through it. And it depends on how you handle it. I mean, you got to realize, yeah, I can stay up to 3 o'clock in the morning, but I also got to wake up at 7 o'clock to go work out. So what do you choose? Do you choose to, you know, go to bed at the right time or do you choose to stay up? And I think that was the biggest surprise for me because, you know, for me it was always I had structure and, and um, it helped, though, when I got there. I just, you know, stayed with the routine. And, you know, I got in. It was just big surprise to just be able to choose is basically what I'm saying. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. No, no, that I, I certainly understand what you mean. It's like, you know, one day, you you know, you hope that you could have all the candy in the world. And then I was saying all the candy in the world is yeah, right there. Yeah. You know, you always want freedom as, as as a person who's in a household where there is structure. You know, you just man, I can't wait till I go to college and everything. Yeah. And I'm going to be free to do whatever I want to do. And then you're there and you're like. Wow, really? <laughs> yep, I got yep. this entire 24 hours to make my own decisions. And I think what happens a lot of times is perhaps maybe kids that don't have a certain type of structure and a certain type of foundation, um, they don't make the best decisions. And that's how yep. some guys, you know, get themselves in trouble and things of that nature. Let me ask you, what was the biggest surprise, if there was, uh, on the football field for you? Mm, I would say the probably the biggest surprise was just how much dedication you truly have to have. I mean, in high school, you can kind of get away with being halfway dedicated, but at the collegiate level, if you're not completely dedicated, you'll get weeded out. And, you know, not even by the coaches, but by the players. I mean, I know how my team operates. We want 100% dedication, and if you're not going to give it, then we don't want you on our team. And I'm sure that's how it is at the other D1 schools or even D2. I mean, you need to truly be dedicated to 
the aspect of football, and that's not just game day, but that's the practices, that's the film study, that's the weight room, that's, you know, that's everything that has to do with off the field as well. And I think if you have that, then you'll be straight. I think that's another thing that perhaps you might take for granted because, again, of your background and your family background, but, uh, you know, football at the collegiate level is, is, is amazingly uh, challenging uh, when it comes to just the structure of the way the day goes, the way the day flows, and also those film sessions that you go through, yep. you know, uh, I mean, and the breakdown and the way you study and the way you watch film. I don't think you watch. I know you don't watch film at the collegiate level the way you watch film at the high school level, because those people at the high school level. And again, no disrespect to those high school coaches. They're some of the best people in the world. And if it weren't for the high school coaches, many of us wouldn't get to the position that we do. So, you know, we, we really want to pay homage to them. But at the same time, the, the level of intensity in a, in a film room at a college level, I would say, is a lot greater than it is in a high school Definitely. level. Would you, would you say that even in terms of how you guys watch film of a game after you've played it? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, in high school, you truly are just watching film. I mean, you can have a film session every day, but you're just watching it. And then when you get to college, you're not really watching it. You're more studying film. And, uh, you know, in high school, you're just trying to see what plays you made and, you know, how good you look. But, in, you know, in college... You want to see why that play happened, why, you know, a bad play happened, what what can you do better, what, you know, what did you do good that you can still prove on, uh, improve on. So, I mean, it, there's a huge difference in that aspect. And, you know, like you said, the high school coaches, they do a great job, but, you know, they can't – it's hard to re- require that much dedication from a high school athlete. I, I believe also, and, and you're right about that, is it's just, first of all, you have to realize what you have, what you're working with. And I, I think at the college level, they do, they see the potential and, and they know what you can do. And I, it was even to the point where Pete Carroll was even, he was able to look at my stance and tell me, okay, Ray, you, you, you're slacking off right here. So your knees aren't bent. Yep. You know, so you, yep. <laughs> you know, you may be a little bit tired, but you, but you're not focused. You know, first thing you want to do is get lined up and, and get in your stance. Uh, let me ask you something. You know, a lot of times at the pro level, uh, they talk a lot about reading. Are, are you guys, are they teaching you at the college level about, you know, reading what the offense is, is trying to do to you? Yeah, that was one of the first things that they try to instill in us is, you know, when a receiver comes up to you, reading his stance, reading his demeanor, reading his attitude, because that'll tell you a lot before the play even begins. And, you know, you can tell if a receiver wants the ball or if he's just coming to block you just out of his stance. If he's, you know, in his stance with a lot of balance and looks like he's about to explode, most likely it's a pass. Versus if he's more relaxed, then most likely he's just going to come out and block you. I can tell I got a student of the game in the studio. That, and that, now, I will tell you this, Fish, that's going to be to your advantage because a lot of people, are, you know, who have great talents and a lot of people in college have great talents, but they all aren't willing to put in the work. And a lot of the work that they're not willing to put in that would make them a much greater person is that they're not students of the game. And I, and I can just tell by the conversation that we're having here uh, that you de- definitely are a student of the game, and I would ask you to continue on that type of pursuit. But I don't need to tell you because you got that foundation, man. Listen, I think I hear some more music, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to take another break. We're going to come back. I'm in the studios with Kelvin Fisher, Jr., University of Arkansas, DB. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. <laughs> Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Okay, you hear the music, you know the show. We're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. I uh, got in the studio with me now, Kelvin Fisher Jr. Kelvin, of course, is from here in Arizona, and uh, he is a defensive back at the University of Arkansas. Damn good defensive back at the University of Arkansas, too. Tried to get him at the Ohio State University, but you know how it is. You can't win them all. But I tell you what, they all are on the campus. They're student-athletes, and student-athletes mean a lot more to some of you uh, than it does to others. So before I get into something that's near and dear to my heart, I'm going to talk to Kelvin a little bit about student-athlete. Uh, Fish, there's a lot of people out there that when they talk about college sports and they hear student-athlete, they're like, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. you know. Uh, you know, talk. let's talk a little bit about the student side of the student-athlete. Uh, you're a very bright young man. I know that well. But but was like football. Was the college environment in the classroom as challenging to you as it as the football was on the football field? Yeah, I mean, people. I, I think people don't realize how much is required of us, not only on the field but also in the classroom. I mean, we put just as much time in the school aspect of you know student athletes as we do as the football part. So, I mean, it, it definitely was a challenge, but at the same time, I, I think most of the colleges provide a great opportunity to help you with that challenge because at the end of the day, you know, regular students can go home around 6 or 7 and, and do their homework and then be done around 9 to 10. As for student athletes, around 6 or 7, we're getting out of practice, getting out of meetings, and then from there we got to go to, you know, tutoring sessions, study hall, you know, so our day may not be done until around 9 or 10, and that's when we have to go home and do our homework. So, you know, I think people just don't understand how much, not just physically demanding, but mentally demanding it is on us, you know, from the school part, because, 
I mean, at the end of the day, we still got to get up before you and go to bed after you. And, you know, I don't think people realize that. And you and you have the same assignments that everybody else has. Yep. You know, the, there are students, in, and I argue many times on behalf of the student-athlete because there are other people out there who are awarded uh, scholarships as well, academic scholarships, uh, but that's all they have to do. All they have yeah. to do is go to class and study and, and make good grades and maintain a certain GPA, and they're okay. But the requirements for, for student-athletes is, is a whole lot more. And there was one little piece that you left out of there that – uh, I want to mention is you do get a chance to go to a nice uh, training table, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. But that doesn't that really to me it helps, but it hurts because after you work so hard, first of all you woke up woke up in the morning, may have went to work out, but certainly you know you went to class, and then after you went to class you went to practice, then after you practiced so hard, may have did a work uh, weight room workout, then you went to training table and ate some of the best meal possible, but. You're kind of tired now. You yeah. like to go to sleep right after that, and a lot of people do, but you probably got to go then to study table, yeah. you know, and, and get yourself prepared. But I will say this, uh, and, and I want you to concur. I hope you concur with me on this. Uh, the university does provide um, a support system in terms of tutors that are there to help yeah. the young man. That, uh, and it's not those that, you know, don't happen to be the brightest in the world. Also, you got to have a tutor. The brightest in the world have access to those same tutors as well. Am, am I right? Definitely. I mean, we pro- are provided with some of the best resources, you know, that can help us. And, you know, just from the person who may have the lowest GPA, he can go get the tutor and just same with the person that has the highest GPA. I mean, I know I'm in the tutoring sessions whenever I can be, not even just to, some people think we go to tutoring so they can just reteach us the lesson, but, for the most part, you go to tutoring just to re, not necessarily relearn the lesson, but just to hear the information again. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it can just, you know, process in your mind that much more. So, I mean, it's just a big cloud of um, people just don't know what really truly goes on behind the scenes. And, and that academic All-American, he may be getting some tutoring as well. Yeah. So we that's what we want everybody to know is the resources are there. And I think what happens many times, Fish, is people, and I'm, I'm guilty of it myself, don't always take advantage of resources that are there. Here's something I tell, I tell my children, is that you know there's no shame in going to get assistance from somebody when they're there. You yeah. know, I always they always say that old cliche: the only dumb question is one that you don't ask. So I, I think that you would agree that you know anybody and everybody who has access to those tutors should certainly take advantage. So if a young man is out there now that there's a younger person in you who may be in high school, you know, potentially going to uh, a major university, you would tell him, hey, if there is academic support there, make sure you get it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know on our team, most of the brightest people on the team, even the academic All-Americans, are in the tutor or study hall sessions, you know, more than the average student-athlete. So, I mean, like you said, the only dumb questions is the ones you don't ask. You know, you just always take advantage of something that's, you know, basically to the student athlete is free. I mean, mm-hmm. they're basically saying, hey, we're going to give you a tutor, so why not use it anyway, you know? Well, I, I, I'm glad that you realize that, and I hope a whole lot of athletes out there realize that because many times the guys will wait until it's a desperate situation, then yeah. they'll run yeah. and get the tutoring. But I think it's best to do it on the front side and, and instead on the back side. Now I want to talk about something that's that's kind of near and dear to me, and, and that's because at uh, one time, uh, the love of my life, uh, my wife was very much involved in a program at, at the federal level, and that is a program uh, to bring awareness to asthma. And so what I want to do is to let uh, people out there know, many of them may, many of them may not, 
uh, that great athletes at the highest level sometimes struggle with asthma, and you're one of those people who've had an experience with asthma. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I've had asthma for as far as I can remember, and mine's actually not even exercise-induced. It's allergy-induced asthma. So for me, I can you know feel perfectly fine, but as soon as my allergies flare up, then that's when my asthma is triggered. You know, you have some players that it's exercise-induced, so you know they have to monitor it not only when they're running, but you know, just off the field as well. But for me, it's like I got to monitor it, you know. 24-7. Yeah, basically. I mean, I got to make sure that I'm taking all my medications for my asthma and my allergies, and on top of that, make sure I'm in shape. So. And, and I've, I've read that certainly your, your physical condition can perhaps maybe re- reduce the threat yeah. of, of asthma attacks. So somebody who's physically fit stands a better chance to have less attacks than somebody perhaps maybe who is not taking care of themselves physically. Yeah, um, that's one thing that the doctors do stress for me is that I have to make sure that I'm in shape all the time because your body's a lot stronger and it's able to handle it a little bit better than you know someone that's not as active and then has those more frequent asthma attacks. And and I read someplace, I think, is it the American Lung Association also? I mean, does this asthma affect your lungs? I mean, explain to those out there who may not know uh what an asthma attack is, what or what it feels like, if from from your own personal experiences. It's it's definitely a weird experience. I mean, the best way I can describe it is, you can you can breathe normally, but the minute you try to take a deep breath, it's like your lungs just won't expand. They just won't move, and that's it's really frustrating, especially when you're trying to run or you know you, you're in a position where you're trying to breathe deeply. I mean, you just you can't control it, and it's you know you're. Your your throat, your airways get constricted, and they and it's basically like the tube is just getting smaller and smaller, and you just nothing you can do to fix it, but just either one take an inhaler or just lay down and just hope that it gradually goes away. Now I, I've read that there's actually been players who have had asthma attacks before doing a sporting event and actually returned to the play. You know now. I, I know there's a lot of serious stuff going on nowadays as it relates to to the NFL and concussions, and we'll yeah. get into a little bit of that later. Uh, but uh, is this one of those things? Whereas, were you able to return to the field and play after you, or, or did it happen to you ever while you were playing? Um, I mean, I've definitely had a case where my asthma has taken into effect, and you know, it's hard for me to play, but. You know, I just take my inhaler and get back out there. Now, I have not taken my inhaler and gotten back out into the game, and um, I think that's mainly just the mental aspect and your your adrenaline taking over. But, I mean, I understand what you're saying when there's cases where players will have an episode and then, you know, get right back into the game. I mean, it, it's I don't, I don't really know how to explain it too well, but when it happens to you, you can tell whether or not you'll be able to go through or if you'll be, if you need to just stop and oh, just, you know what I'm saying? So in terms of an asthma attack, uh, I've seen a few people who've had seizures before. Uh, is the result of an asthma attack when you see somebody going through one, is, is it anything similar to that? Does your body shake or anything like that? Or are you just not struggling to, you're just struggling to breathe? Um, I mean, you can have an asthma attack and, and truly just kind of look normal. I mean, I've, I've had one before to where, um, I'll just be running around in the house with my sister. I'll just be, you know, messing with her and then I can feel, you know, one coming and then still kind of run around, but then just stop and just sit down. And, you know, someone may never know. And that's, that's one of the dangerous parts about it because with a seizure, you'll know when someone's having a seizure. With asthma attack, they may never tell you. And, you know, that's when it can become dangerous. Yeah, and it, and it can become lethal. If yep, I'm not, you know, yep. a person can die from an asthma attack. Yes. So that's why I wanted to try to make it clear, if we could, in terms of just your experiences of how a person might know 
that an individual might be struggling if, if they know that person has asthma. And again, athletes can be this way, just want to stay in the game, yeah. but they might need to pull you out and make you take your medicine or, or, or your inhaler or a shot or something of that nature. As a matter of fact, I, I've read before where people have actually had to have a shot. Does, does, I'm, I'm sure that the purpose of the shot is to increase uh, the intake of a medicine and put it into your system right away. Is yeah. that is, is it a believe, shot or your inhaler, or is it one or the other or both? I believe a shot is for the more extreme cases to get the oxygen directly to your blood, you know, as quick as possible. But you know, for inhaler, all the truly all the inhaler does is just open your lungs or your 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 tube back up so it's at full capacity. And you know, like I said earlier, how your lungs just it seems like they just want to expand. That's what the inhaler helps with. Now I'm sure the shot probably just gets the oxygen to your bloodstream faster, so you're able to breathe and you know and those are the probably the more severe cases where someone truly is like bent over and you know having a having trouble breathing and wheezing and you know can barely talk those are probably for those what would you say to a parent out there that's struggling and concerned because she has an asthmatic child uh, her and of course the father as well they have you know serious concerns about their child uh, would you encourage them to let your child participate in sports, or is it one of those things, somewhat like concussions, where some people now are trying to starting to second guess if they would want their kids to participate in a contact sport? Uh, if you had a child that had asthma, uh, just like I said, if there's somebody else out there you're talking to now, would you encourage that child to participate in sports? I definitely would, but. Um, before you participate, I would encourage the parents to figure out what type of asthma that the child has. I mean, I know for me, for the longest time, you know, I would have episodes, but I didn't understand why until finally I went to an allergist and I figured out that it was my allergies that caused my asthma. So once I was able to control my allergies, my asthma, you know, was reduced tremendously. So if you figure out if you have exercise induced or if you have allergy induced, you'll be able to treat it more because you'll know where to target. So if you have exercise induced asthma, then, you know, just you want to work out a little bit more so you just don't have the episodes when you start, you know, your spring ball or your camp. I can tell you what, I don't know who the folks out there now that are running the associations as they relate to uh, children or, or people that are dealing with asthma, uh, but I think you need to get a hold of Kelvin Fisher Jr. If you're looking for a <laughs> spokesperson and you don't have one yet, uh, you need to make sure you contact this young man. He obviously is aware, he's experienced, uh, he's had an attack or a couple, uh, and he survived them. And he's encouraging young athletes out there to continue to participate in your sports. But first, make sure that you get checked out. Again, we got some music, so we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk some football for real now. I mean, I need to know what, what team Fish really likes. <laughs> or is he just, you know, is he persuaded to like a certain team in NFL that wears, you know, that yellow and black stuff? <laughs> you listen to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix Living Like It Matters. Kelvin Fisher Jr. DB at the University of Arkansas with me here in the studios, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. 
despise her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, we're back. This is Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm here, of course, in the studios with my man, Kelvin Fisher Jr. Yeah, the name rings a bell to you, but I'm not. We're going to talk. This is about fish. This man has deserved, earned his spotlight. Little fish has, and so he and I just going to chop it up a little bit here. I want to talk about, I mean, one of the biggest craves that ever hit this world, and that, that's social media. Yeah. Uh, and, and when we think about it, obviously you're from the social media generation. I mean, you guys, I don't think your life has been around without social media, although social media is so young. Um, but still, are you allowed at the university level to uh, have your own social media and participate like the average person do? Or, or and, and again, there's a little controversy on that, so, you know, don't go too far. With it. But are you guys allowed to enjoy social media on, at your own leisure? We can. I mean, we can have the Facebook, the Twitters, all that, but we just we have to know how to manage it. And, you know, like you said, we can't do some of the things that a typical student or a typical person can do. And that's the one thing they school us on when we get there. But, I mean, we, we're allowed to have them, and, you know, we just we got to know what and what not to do. And, and social media, um, so you can use it to get your message out there to communicate with your friends, but obviously they don't want you crossing the line. Does the university have their own fan page? The football team, do you guys have a fan page or you're not even familiar with it? I mean, if we do, I, I've not, I haven't seen one. And I'm sure we do have one out there, but, I mean, they they encourage us to stay away from those, you know. So, I mean, I, I just I haven't seen one. Yeah, well, social media, again, it's, it's one of those crazes that the, the world, I think every time I go past, let's say, a kid from the age of, you know, that can crawl and walk, <laughs> can, yeah. handle, can handle a phone to somebody who's, you know, you know, 20, 30, some plus, you know, social media is what they're doing. They're, they're always on their face. Do you have a Facebook page? Yes, I do. Oh, okay. So can anybody, will you friend anybody? If anybody sends you, uh, um, you know, a friend request, do you f- become friends with everybody or are you just? No, nope, I moderate pretty well. Um, I got to kind of, I have to kind of know you mm-hmm. or uh, have heard about you from a friend of mine that I trust. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I just don't accept anyone. Wow. 
Okay, so there you heard it. I was trying, all those requests that wanted to be his friend, I tried to make it happen, but I'm sorry I couldn't make it happen. Uh, we got a responsible young man here, and uh, certainly you will appreciate that. Uh, Fish, man, let's talk a little bit, if you will, man. Uh, before we get into, of course, the SEC West, we want to talk a little bit about the National Football League. Now, uh, you know, I know that you could be persuaded, and we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> but in terms of, uh, I mean, is the Pittsburgh Steelers actually your favorite team? Yeah, and as far as I can remember, the Pittsburgh Steelers have been my favorite team to watch. Um, even before circumstances presented themselves, I've always liked the Steelers. So, mm -hmm. I mean, so when you when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, football team next year, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about National Football League. Uh, do you see them in contentions for the Super Bowl? I mean, the Steelers, every year it seems like they're in contention. Always. I so. mean, we got, from what I've seen, they No, she said, we got, go ahead. There you go. <laughs> they got some of the best... Uh, Coaching, you know, over there on the defensive side and the offensive side of the ball, I know that they just got a new uh, coordinator. You know, I definitely follow them, you know. But, I mean, I, I'm a fan, so I got to say we're in contention every year. There I mean, I wouldn't be a true fan if I didn't say that. But I truly believe that we are. So, Who are some of your favorite players when you look at the National Football League? And, and the reason why I ask those questions is because you never know. You know, we, we hope and pray that every uh, Division One football player, every kid who wants to play, you know, you know gets a chance to play. But who are some of the, the people when you watch the game of football that you admire the way they play the game? I would have to say probably um, on the defensive standpoint, Troy Polamalu. Um, I mean, obviously everyone loves his hair, but, you know, I just I like the way he plays the game. And, you know, a lot of fans don't know this, but the way he plays, it truly shows how much he studies the game. I mean, he he makes plays that, you know, people sometimes think it's just, you know, a freak of nature, athletic ability. But, you know, as a player, you know that he studied film and he knew that play was coming. So he makes him, he makes sure he's in position to make a play. And uh, I truly admire that on the defensive side of the ball. Now, as I said before, you know, before you became uh, an outstanding defensive back, you know, I was able to really see you on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm going to ask you on the offensive side of the ball, anybody in particular that you like, not necessarily on the Steelers, Steelers just yeah. period, in the league that you admire the way they play the game? Um... I would have to say, I mean, he doesn't play anymore, but I used to watch him as a kid a lot, all the time. Uh, Terrell Davis, uh, back in the day, Broncos running back. I, I truly liked the way he ran the ball and um, just liked him as a person as well. Now, when you were, I mean, Terrell was, when you were a kid, Terrell was probably, got, he still was playing. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was. Was that the running back that you patterned yourself at when you played the game, or did you just do your own thing? Um, when it came down to it, I kind of just did my own thing. But when I first started playing, I tried to be like him and a couple other running backs, you know, that are close to me. But for the most part, at the end of the day, I try to just implement my own style. Now, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, you talked about, you know, who you try to resemble in terms of your play. Many times people talk about student athletes being role models. Uh, from your perspective, uh, and you're trying to get to encourage a young person out there, maybe that's in your position or perhaps maybe uh, somebody who's looking up to you. Are you aware of the fact now that there are people, as you talk about looking at Terrell Davis, there are people that are looking at you at the University of Arkansas, and they want to be like you. Do you feel that responsibility to be a role model to those young people? It's not necessarily a responsibility to me. I mean, I think I've accepted that role. So for me, it's just as long as I continue on the path that, you know, my parents raised me to be in, you know, just being responsible and being a respectable human being, I feel like that responsibility aspect will just, you know, gradually happen and that um, I won't have any issues. 
And so there are people out there that, as, as you know, they never know, never met you. Uh, sometimes people have this love-hate thing like Tiger Woods. There yeah. are people that, I mean, they, there's so much venom in their body. They truly feel like they hate Tiger Woods, and they, they've never met him before in life. You know, Charles Barkley always said, listen, I'm not your role model, uh, but the example that you give and you and you the way you live your life is an example for other people so i certainly appreciate the way you live your life you've been a great example for a lot of people out there and i'm sure you'll continue to do that so we we got to talk a few minutes cause i think we just got a couple seconds left and uh let, let's talk about i mean we, we got to talk about your conference your division and 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 what are you of course you're going to say the right thing <laughs> you're going to say <laughs> But that you guys, you know, are, are trying to win a national championship. But but first of all, you just got to win that West. And, of course, you know what the elephant in the room is. That That's Nick Saban, you know, and the University of Alabama. How do you guys feel going into this year, not only just beating the University of Alabama, but, but the SEC West? Do you really feel strong about the chances to come out of the West and, and winning that, that division? Definitely. I mean, we we felt strong about it last year, and we're definitely going to feel strong about it this year. And I think that plays into our work ethic. I feel like we are probably one of the hardest working teams out there. So for us, we feel like as long as we keep grinding and working hard, that we'll definitely be in contention for not just the SEC West, but the whole SEC. Now, I used to do this all the time. When the schedule come out, I take the schedule, I look at it, I go down the schedule, and there's a couple wins I can just pick because yeah. we, we know we're going to win them. Have you done that? You, try, you try not to. Yeah, yeah but you, you try not Because you, you play the game to win. That's yeah. what Herm said. You got to play the game, you know, and you play the game to win. Uh, but but you feel pretty strong about it. So uh, of the whole conference, you know, who do you see? Is 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 it is it still Alabama's conference, you know, and somebody has to take it from them? Or do you feel like there's another team in there in contention to actually who could sneak up and, and win? I think it's a it's uh, anyone's conference every year. I mean, the term Alabama's conference, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that would say that, but I feel like if you truly know the SEC, you know that it's anyone's conference every year. Well, I'll tell you what, man, it, it's been a blessing. You know, time flies. I think that's, man, they showing me that I got about a few seconds left and then I got to go listen. I know you got to give a shout out. Somebody listen you want to give a shout out to, man. You can give a shout out to somebody and then we're going to wrap it up. Uh, probably just give a shout out to my team back in Arkansas, you know, doing it big, doing what we're supposed to do, keep working hard. Okay, my second favorite team out there now is University of Arkansas. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna be that's going to be the national championship. Arkansas and the Ohio State University. You heard it first right here on Rail of Sports. Uh, man, I've been having a great time. Thank you to Kelvin Fisher, Jr., defensive back at the University of Arkansas. Uh, and, and hopefully we're going to get a chance to, to see Kelvin a lot on the field. But the great young man, just outstanding person. So be sure to tune in again and catch me next week. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm a finish. Living like it matters. And I'll see you next time, which will be the best time.